Good morning, church. How you doing today? Wow, we made it. How about that? You know, it's only one little hour. That's all it is. But oh my gosh, feels like a mountain a bit. So here we are. And uh, we are here to study God's word and to hear from him. God has something to say to us today. You know that? He loves us. He cares about us. He's a, a good father in heaven and he wants to speak to us today of his love and grace and mercy and beauty and glory. So let's, uh, let's look at Romans chapter 3 today, verses 21 to 31. Um, we're marching our way through the best and the clearest explanation of the gospel and God's love to us in Christ and how he saves us. And the whole book of Romans is building to this text and really the next few weeks of what it means to actually come into a right relationship with God through faith in Christ. So I'll read verses 21 to 26 of chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. May God add his blessing to his word this morning. Father, speak to us now through your word. Teach us by your Holy Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. Well, this is a great text, and uh, as these are Sunday by Sunday, and uh, Romans has been building, speaking to us in the first three chapters of humanity's condition of lostness because of our sin and our rebellion against God, and it has left us in a place of emptiness and foolishness and seeking to fill the place that God was meant to fill with all sorts of other things. And we come to this text now, uh, really it's an exciting text. It talks about how easy it is to come to know God, simply by grace through personal faith in Jesus, with great benefit, as Pastor Robert read in Psalm 103, great joy. We can know God, we can have peace with Him, we can be right with Him. These are great truths that we're going to see this morning. But, I, I, you know, as we study these texts, uh, those of us who get the privilege of preaching, we're always, I think, surprised by a thing or two, you know. Um, as I read this text this week, I was surprised um, by how God is speaking to us more of his greatness <laughs> than even our salvation. And I think that's super important to see in this text this morning, that God is a great God, and we get caught up in his love and his plan to save humanity, that we might be his people that would praise him and glorify him. We get to enter a relationship with him. But this thing is about God that praises his glory 
And as we are saved, our salvation is really not so much God making a big deal of us. <laughs> it really isn't. But him freeing us to make a big deal of him. And that's really important, I think, as we see this. And so as we are saved, God is glorified, and we are, are blessed beyond measure. So I, I want to look at this text this morning in, in two parts. First one is God's glory in our salvation, um, verses 21 to 26, and then bragging or boasting about our good God in verses 27 to 31. So let's talk about God's glory in our salvation. Notice um, in verses 21 to 26 that we read that this phrase, the righteousness of God, appears four times. Four times. This is a, you, you look when you read the scriptures. You want to look for what is repeated, what's said over and over and over again. And usually in there somewhere, you're finding the theme of the text. This is speaking of God's righteousness in our salvation. For God is righteous, and in fact, the theme verse I think for all of Romans, uh, chapter one, verses sixteen to seventeen, says this very thing. And Paul steps out in the beginning. He says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel." For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. There's the good news. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then he says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. So we're going to see something of God's righteousness today as we look at how we are saved. When we um, speak of God's righteousness, we speak of his character who he is, that he is good, and he is holy, that he is faithful, and he is all those things, particularly as he saves us, people who put our faith in Jesus. But what Paul, I think, is dealing with here, and he's been dealing with building up to this section in the last three chapters, is how can a holy God, how can a righteous God save sinners like us? That's the problem he's facing. I mean, we read last week's text, right? There's none righteous, no, not one, and six or eight verses talking about how broken and messed up we are. And here is a righteous God that's going to save us. How can God be righteous and save people like that? See, that's the question I think he's working at here. His righteousness, it says in Psalm 36, is like the mighty mountains. We live in this beautiful city of mountains and, and Mount Olympus up here. And, and I, I've often thought it'd be just really awesome if, if uh, we could have windows opened up to see that mountain, maybe even in the worship center. So I, I was thinking about it this week. Like we could put windows like across this wall, right? All the way across here. It'd be beautiful, wouldn't it? It'd be light in here. And then all we'd have to do is move Mount Olympus over here, right? <laughs> right? So we'll just have a clipboard at the back for those that want to sign up for that task. The windows will be pretty easy, I think. And those of you who will move the mountain, right? God's righteousness is like the mighty mountains. It can't be moved. <laughs> it can't be moved. It's there in place. And when he saves us, it doesn't get moved. It doesn't get diminished. He doesn't wink at sin. And so... Paul is defending God's justice and righteousness 
as he speaks now of our salvation. But he's dealing and wrestling with this God who not only is he righteous, but he's loving and gracious and kind and good, cares deeply about us. And so I, I want us to see the beauty of his plan of salvation. How can a holy God and a loving God save us? <laughs> and that that is the gospel. It's the beauty of the gospel is that this God fully satisfies his righteousness and his love for us completely upholds his character in saving us. Not by law, not by things that we do. He says over and over again in Romans, no one can keep the law, but right standing comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to this. But now, verse 21, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, right? I mean, the whole scripture is either pointing to Jesus or telling us about Jesus. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There it is. And so now he's going to kind of bore down into this gospel message for us today. Right, as he thinks about the big picture of how God is upholding his very character as he does it. Look at verse 23. Here we go. Here's the problem. For all have sinned. <laughs> for all. Let's see. How many of, of us is that? Yeah, right. So all, all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. We've heard countless times this message, if we've been in church at all, that all have sinned. We're all uh, people who have given ourselves to sin. Um, what is unique about this sentence and this phrase is that we do it by falling short of the glory of God. This adds a lot of color and flavor, I think, to what it means to be sinful. It is a violation of the glory of God. Now, glory means weight or value, preciousness worth, right? And so when we sin, we fall short of valuing. Some call it worthship, <laughs> not giving worth to God. Worthship, lack of not worship, not worshiping. Not worthshipping, not cherishing God. That's what we do at the core when we sin. Romans has been telling us about this in chapter 1 verses 21 uh, to 23, it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And here's what they did. They exchanged the glory of God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Here's the core of sin. It's exchanging the glory of God. Instead of valuing God, it means to value something else. Instead of worshiping God, we worship something else. And all of sin is like this. It's taking God off his place and devaluing him and putting something else in that place and valuing something else more than God. All of sin falls short of the glory of God. And so in conjunction, I think, with this text, we might say that righteousness 
because now God's trying to uphold his righteousness here, right? Righteousness is valuing what is most valuable. Worshiping, which is what? That which is most worthy of worship, right? Loving, which is most lovable. That's what righteousness is. This is important. Hang on to that definition. We'll come back to it in a moment. What do we worship? What makes our blood boil, right? What, what makes us love? What, what, what invokes, right, passion and emotion in us? This past week, I took a, a short trip to Seattle to visit family, and um, as we were flying back, um, we were getting on a plane, and um, there was all these college students dressed in purple and gold, the big W's on their uniforms and so on, and it was because of the Pac-12 basketball championships are in Vegas this weekend and next weekend, right? So schools, Utah and Arizona and Oregon and Washington are all kind of making their way to Vegas, and our flight was going through Vegas. So, so we had the Washington cheer team on our plane. And they locked, they shut the door, right? And all of a sudden, they start to sing the Washington fight song together in this plane. I, I, I got to tell you, it made my blood boil a little bit, right? Being a Washington alumnus, I was... Pretty dang excited to have the cheer team on my plane, right? But I, I thought about it, you know. Like, would I be that excited if they started to sing Amazing Grace, right? And I would. That's right, I would be. More than that, right? You know, the Washington fight song, you know what the title of it is? Bow Down to Washington. Sing to the glory of Washington forever. What do you worship? Right? There was a day. I had my day worshiping at that idol. Uh-huh. I'm thankful to say I would have loved Amazing Grace more. But what, what, you know, what, what gets put into the place of, of God? And so, now, how does he deal with those of us who have put other things or people or passions in his place. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Righteous God has to deal with that, doesn't he? Righteous God, is, you're not valuing me, right? You're diminishing me. And here's what he did, verse 24, and we are now justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith this was to show God's righteousness <laughs> love that keep that in mind here now so here's what he's doing and then three massive boulders get thrown at us here justification redemption and propitiation about a dozen years ago, I preached a series in Nebraska called uh, Christ on the Cross. And I covered all these words that happened at the cross. And it was, I thought I was going to preach on the cross for like 10 weeks. People would be leaving the church in droves. You know what? The church was filled up. Because this is something about the cross that just draws us. And we start to speak of it. And that's what we see here. These are words that speak of the gospel, of the cross. What Jesus did, that he came and he died and he rose again. It's the gospel for our sins. 
What happened at the cross is thousands and thousands of times of things, and here's three of them, right? Justification, redemption, and propitiation. Let's just take them really, really quick. But justification says we've been declared not guilty. It's really two parts that we are, as last week Pastor Robert spoken to us, people who are not righteous. And so Jesus dies in our place and takes the guilt of our sin and it moves us to not guilty. Now we've gone from minus a bazillion to zero. And then, <laughs> and then we are justified by giving Christ's righteousness, which takes us to zero to infinity positive. <laughs> I'm getting pretty excited about knocking my stand over. Right? This is good news. That's justification. Okay? We've got to go quickly through these. These all could be a sermon, as I already indicated. But, but then there's redemption. And redemption... Uh, speaks of being bought out of slavery. The picture of the Israelites in Egypt is, is the best picture of it in the Old Testament where uh, God comes and takes them out of slavery. And it's a biblical picture of us when we are in sin. We're trapped, right? Have you ever tried, really tried, really, really hard to not sin? <laughs> it's a miserable experience. And that's, that's called slavery. It's called bondage. You can't not sin can't stop and so this is a picture of redemption where god comes and he sends his son and he we were purchased and bought out of slavery and made brand new and we're set free we're free from accusation and we're free from the hold of sin now you can choose to obey <laughs> by the power of the gospel right and we're free now to worship and to praise and to enjoy him right that's, that's redemption then there's propitiation, and this is the big word, and this is the one that gives people just fits, you know, and scholars wrestle and fight over this word. Because it speaks of um, wrath being satisfied. That's what propitiation means. Someone is absorbing or taking the wrath of a, another. Jesus did that. It, it was almost funny, of course, when, um, when uh, the flight attendant was handing me a Coke, and I was in the uh, window seat. So I reached out over the person next to me. You know, you're kind of boxed in here for this hour, become best friends with the person next to you, and uh, grabbed the Coke, and as I grabbed it, Coke fell on her a little bit, right? Not very much. Come on, right? <laughs> but she was so unhappy with me. I'm like, come on, give me a break, right? But it fell on her jeans, and she was wiping it up for the next half hour to make her point, you know. Like, I thought, well, you, you, it's kind of like you were carrying the Mona Lisa in your backpack or something, and a Coke fell on it and ruined this, you know, expensive thing. Yeah, I don't, yeah. The point is, when something of value is marred, right, jeans, something much fancier, we, more anger would be, right, God, right, when his glory, which is of infinite worth and infinite value, is marred by us demoting it and putting something in its place, requires a payment, right? The, the, the scriptures picture us as committing adultery against the one who loves us most, and perfectly. And there ought to be wrath for that. That makes sense to us now, doesn't it, right? 
And Jesus came and took our place, took the wrath. He was the propitiation for our sin. And God's wrath is satisfied, and now he right, freely and fully accepts us. Even though, you know, we get mad at each other, right, because we do things to each other, God's not mad at us. He's not angry with you. <laughs> you got to hear this. He loves you. It's all satisfied in Jesus. You might think he's angry at you, but that's Satan talking to you. He's not. He's taken care of at the cross, right? And this is all God's doing, right, which makes him great, <laughs> makes him righteous before our eyes as he is so that we will worship. And what we are asked to do simply asked to do is put our faith in Jesus, the one who died to give us all these good gifts. And then honor him in our request. Trust him and you're free. You're redeemed. You're justified. You're propitiated. Right? It's an amazing thing. We could go on and on and on. Every week we try to expand on that beautiful picture of the gospel. So there it is. There is... Um, God's glory in our salvation. Now, the second half of this text this morning is a new paragraph, and it starts, and it's really about this subject. Then what becomes of our boasting? Right? And if you recall, in Romans, um, Paul is dealing with the Jewish people, and he's dealing with uh, the Gentiles, and the Jews thought they had sort of one up on the Gentiles because they were the ones that were given the law and they were the ones who were given all the blessings of the Old Testament and, and the history and the patriarchs and they thought they were better. You know, something about them that made them more justified before God than the Gentiles. And Paul is trying to say, oh no, that both, he goes on and he says, both Jew and Gentile are saved by faith alone. Nobody has one up on anybody else. We are saved by faith alone, which is this complete looking away from anything we are and trusting in everything that Jesus is and did for us. So that Ephesians 2, 8, 9, no one may boast. If I can read it, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Now listen, God is concerned about who gets the credit. <laughs> it's not us. And he's concerned about this because his righteousness demands it. Righteousness, at least, could be Part of the definition is to value what is most valuable, to worth, worship that which is to be worshipped, to love most what is to be loved. If he is not esteemed most, if he doesn't get the credit when he is the one that deserves the credit, it's unrighteous. Because sometimes they go, well, God's pretty hung up on himself. Oh, no, he's not. God is just and he's righteous and he is worthy of all praise. And if we don't give it, it's unholy. And if he doesn't demand it, that's bad for us. And unholy of him. Right? Important here. So he's concerned. Like, who's going to get the credit? Who gets the glory? Who's boasting? <laughs> right? 
commandments and keeping the laws that Jewish people, some were arguing, right? Who gets the credit? The lady, right? Of course, Romans has been defeating that because you can't keep the law. And what faith is, is it's looking to Jesus as the law keeper on our behalf. He kept the law for us. So that when we put our faith in him, we get credited all the law keeping. That's pretty good news, isn't it? Now, let, let me stop right here. I, I, I want to make a point here, I think, uh, briefly. In fact, it says it in verse 31. The text makes the point. This is why I think I should make the point. Um, verse 31. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On contrary, we uphold the law. So we'll, we'll see this next year when we do Romans chapter 7. Uh, but the law is good. It's a good thing. We should be people who try to obey God's rules and principles. That's good for us. In fact, sometimes that's exactly the starting point. Deal with somebody that's really trapped in sin, really trapped in an addiction. The starting point is, okay, stop doing it. <laughs> now, we've got to do a lot more than that, right, to get it rooted out through God's grace and his love and, and through a healing of wounds and things like that. But the first thing you do is just stop it. <laughs> right? In fact, that's what Galatians uh, 3.24 says. So then the law was a guardian or a schoolmaster that takes us to Christ in order that we might be justified by faith. You see? So the law is good for us. Let's obey it as a starting point. We're just raising little children, two- and three-year-olds, right, four-year-olds. We don't... We don't go into this whole thing of just how much God loves you. Though you want to tell them that, but don't get me wrong, you gotta, right? But really, obey, <laughs> right? Let's obey. And, when, and then you're going to find out you can't, and then we'll get you to Jesus, right? But you've got to start, start there. And it becomes a schoolmaster and a guardian to get us to the grace, realizing that after a while we can't keep it as we, we should. So, how are we going to boast in God? How are we going to give him glory um, in light of the gospel? It's not by uh, rule keeping, doing better or earning some righteousness. But, let me just say, offer three things. Um, and the first one is, I would just say, let's give him thanks. Let's give thanks, right? I, in fact, Romans chapter 1, verse 21 says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So let's start by just giving thanks. You've done nothing to earn your salvation. In fact, you've done everything <laughs> to look away from anything you could bring and just trust in Christ. And so it should invoke a heart of, God, thank you. Right? Look at the cross and go, Jesus, that would just honor him, wouldn't it? Just thank you. No, I'm not boasting in myself. In fact, we're told um, that we should boast in Christ. Uh, Galatians 6.14, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, every good thing that you and I have, <coughs> excuse me, every good thing that you and I have comes because of the cross. And God gives us nothing but love 
and mercy and goodness in everything he gives us now because of the cross. Because everything that is other than that has been taken care of at the cross. And so we should boast in the cross and say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Every good thing I have is because you died for me. We were, we were looking for a birthday card uh, for our son who turns 30 and, um, this, this month. And uh, we were looking for these cards, and one card said, you know, we want you to get what you deserve. A, a day out, your favorite meal, you know, wine, party, fun, friends. We hope you get what you deserve. Mary and I said, <laughs> we don't want our son to get what he deserves, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> we know what we deserve. That card isn't a good card. If you've bought one, it's okay, like whatever. But <laughs> what we deserve is punishment, wrath, right? We get nothing but love and mercy and grace. So look around and every good thing that comes your way, say, God, thank you. thankful heart through the gospel let every good thing come from him through the cross thank you second of all enjoy him um, enjoy him this gives him glory doesn't it when we enjoy somebody it honors them doesn't it when we enjoy God when, they're a del- when he's a delight to our hearts we enjoy him I, I love as you march your way through Romans I'm really excited over the next couple years we're going to eventually get through this whole thing. But as you march through Romans and you get to the later chapters, some of the best things and some of the greatest aims of the, of the letter are there. And we see it in Romans chapter 15, verses 8 to 11. Just coming up toward the end. Um, he's talking about how Christ came as a servant, that God would be glorified, it says in verse 9 of chapter 15. And then here's the result. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. And again, it is said, rejoice, you Gentiles. (laughs) Rejoice. (laughs) Gentiles, (laughs) rejoice. All right. This is what you look like. Rejoice. (laughs) It's the aim of your salvation that you would rejoice in God to his glory, right, and his righteousness. Make him the delight of your heart. You're in the clear. (laughs) People, you're in the clear. Because of Jesus, all you got left is to relax and enjoy him. (laughs) Right? Oh, I'm a performer. You know, I think this is why I make an okay pastor at part. (laughs) Bad reasons for doing what I do. I'm a performer. I'm a pleaser at some level, right? And that works really great when you're happy with me. But eventually, some of you won't like what I'm doing, right? I mean, that's just inevitable. And then that just goes down the wrong direction fast, right? The gospel says, I am fully welcomed and accepted and pleasing to God apart from anything I do. And regardless of what you think of me, it doesn't matter, right? And I can just relax and enjoy God this morning as I'm preaching. I don't have to worry about you. Just enjoy my good God who's given me this gift to teach. I was kind of complaining to Mary this morning. You know, I, I'm going to preach again. She goes, Kevin, you like preaching. 
And I do. <laughs> I do. Enjoy him. Whatever it is, right? Enjoy it. The good food, the fun of the mountains, the city, the food, right? Your work. Enjoy him. It honors him. Finally, I would say to the one dishonors him, this is us boasting in him and glorifying him, is to trust him, surrender our hearts to him. It honors him, right? If God, our good father, right, would send his son to hang on a cross for our sins, how do we honor him in that? just receiving right just believe honors the father trust in him right that's why romans 10 9 and 10 says confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god has raised him from the dead and you will be saved that's that honors him he wants you come person woman right receive jesus it honors this good father Good Father, the very last verses of Romans say that God had planned from the beginning to send his son Jesus to die on a cross. That suddenly, <laughs> suddenly Jesus bursts on the scene, a secret that had been hidden by God for millennia. And now we get to see him and his glory and his goodness in the person of Jesus. And then to anticipate, if a good father would do that, right, what more does he have in store for us, right? I, I was blessed with a really amazing father. And uh, I was driving by the Space Needle this week, you know, and, and my father was part of the design team for the Space Needle. And uh, I was so proud of him for that. Um, but recently, just this last few years, um, my mother-in-law, she sent me an article in the paper. And she goes, look what happened here. There was a, a, a search for a Russian submarine back in the 70s that President Nixon commissioned this team of people to go and find it. It's sunk to the, the bottom of the Pacific Ocean to go get that thing and see if we could find out the Russian nuclear secrets. And she sent me this article that spoke of this submarine and my dad's company and the engineering team, which my dad was the manager of, had built this contraption to go down and get these secrets off the Russian submarine in the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. And they had pulled it off and it was declassified here just a few years ago. And my dad kept telling me that, oh, we're going to get some manganese nodules off the bottom of the Pacific Ocean that we'll be able to. He was lying through his teeth to us. He was getting a Russian submarine. And finally, I got to find out way after his death that, like, he was doing this solely cool thing, like keeping it a secret from me. Come on, Dad. You could have told me. I would have kept the secret. Heavenly Father, who loves us in just these incredible ways, so much that even in the secrets of the past now reveals Jesus to us. And now he says to us today as his people,
eye has seen and no ear has heard, no tongue has confessed, but God has prepared for those who love him in the days ahead. If you would do Jesus, give us him in the past. What will we have for us in the future? And we should live with great hope and love and anticipation blessings that we have in Christ, that we might be a light for you. Speak to us of your love. Speak to us of your grace in Christ. And give us hope and anticipation of a future that will be indescribable because you are that kind of Father. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. and stories of what they think your life but I heard a tender whisper of love in the dead of night you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone you're a good to you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. And I see many searching for answers. Far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide because you know just what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father to you. Perfect in all of your ways You are 